Hello, I'm your host, Ben Downing, and welcome to the Meaningful Media Podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope this episode provides plenty of food for thought as we continue to navigate the fast-evolving world of media and explore the media that matters. Now, on with the show. Lizzie, thanks so much for coming on the pod. Thank you for having me. Uh, you have such rich experience, uh, particularly around thinking about psychology, uh, mind states, and uh, and getting into how people really think. So can you tell us a little bit about uh, wh- where you come from, your, your specialism in the industry, and um, mm-hmm. your focus today? So lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, uh, at Havas, I lead global strategy and intelligence. One of the reasons why I joined Havas was I felt like at a group level, Vivendi, Um, really represented my career because I've actually touched every part of the industry so I've worked programming editorial I worked um, for cable stations I worked at EMAP which worked across magazines digital events tv etc I moved into media where I did planning and buying and then Mediacom uh, I I was a strategy director but I also set up or helped set up the content marketing division of Mediacom called Mediacom Beyond Advertising I spent 10 years in Asia um, where I led strategy for the region for a number of big uh, brands such as P&G VW Group Um, and also while I was there I actually helped set up the um, Asia part of the content marketing team um, Mediacom Beyond Advertising which at the time was the fastest growing part of the industry and incredibly exciting and then what I realized I guess uh, having had editorial programming experience worked in media worked in content the bit that was missing was creative so I actually moved to BBH um, and I led integrated strategy there the thing that really allured me to move over to Havas actually was um, the integrated proposition around our strategic planning product because I'd spent many years having had lots of different diverse experience around the understanding and intelligence and going uh, uh, around the planning process and really recognise the fact that everybody in the industry, regardless of what type of agency you're at, interrogates the same areas of category, brand, culture and consumer and how important it was to have an integrated approach so that we can work better together as agencies and we can be more useful for clients in not specifically delineating what we think the brief is and and being more useful and being more holistic. It makes you perfect to talk about this concept of purpose everyone's talking about purpose with a big p um so let's unpack that how do you define brand purpose there's a lot of conflating of purpose with issues of csr are those always combined are they always the same thing let's let's explore that definition what is brand purpose sure so purpose very simply put is the north star of a brand or organization or the why they exist Um, It's interesting you talk about purpose with a capital P because I think because we've put purpose with a capital P more and more in recent years, it's been more associated with doing societal good. But at the core of a brand purpose should be a reason for being, and that is about the business, the connection to consumer and culture. So it's essentially a statement guiding everything a brand does. Um, What I think is interesting... Um, around brand purpose is if you look at the evolution of it so essentially when it had a smaller p potentially when we first first started to talk about it it was more about 
transactionary elements of purpose, which was more about business goals than an actual purpose with a capital P. So then we had a period of brand and functional drivers of purpose. So like Amazon is a really good example of that in talking about being the most customer-centric company. So in the last 10 to 15 years, the meaning behind purpose has started to shift to be something more about connecting to core capabilities, consumer and culture. So IKEA is one, which I'm a massive fan of, is to create better everyday lives for the many people. Recently, this has now shifted to a demonstration of what that could directly mean for societal impact. So IKEA formed theirs many, quite a few years ago now, before we had sort of purpose with a capital P. And now, what's interesting with them is because it's naturally evolved into a more modern demonstration in terms of how you provide societal impact or improve societal impact, what that means is that they've had to look at their entire business um, and ensure that they live up to it. So from process to materials to partners, uh, all the way going through to governance such as paying taxes. Um, so I think people are forgetting that purpose is fundamentally core to the business, core to how you connect with consumers, and in more modern times is moving obviously to how you make a bigger societal impact. Brilliant. Um, and I'm, I'm fascinated by this, this clear differentiation you're making between purpose being what the brand does uh, and how that should be expressed and understood uh, and CSR commitments being part of that, an yeah. important part of that, but being informed by that purpose. Yeah. And that's that's really kind of critical with some of the, the thinking that, that you've done here. It leads to this question of purpose with a big P. Is that good for business? Why is why is purpose so important? Why Why should people be thinking about that? Essentially, the process of defining purpose is looking more holistically at profit, people and planet. Um, so you need to look at what is more authentic to the business and the CSR initiatives or the group of initiatives from a societal impact point of view need to fall naturally into that. So I think um, nowadays, as we look to more modern connotations of purpose and recognising the fact that it shouldn't be separated, it should be integral, that's a really important realisation for brands and organisations to, to look at. Um, whether or not it's good for business, there's been some analysis on what I would call the more holistic-based purpose, so that's purpose with a capital P and a small p, purely a purely profit-based one. And they've seen businesses grow by 175% versus, say, 80%. Also, um, some more stats to prove that it actually works were actually demonstrated in Cannes last year, where I was part of the Media Lions jury. And there was actually a lot of debate around purpose with a capital P and small p because we had entries from 2019 and 2020. And unsurprisingly, because of everything that was going on in 2020, um, such as COVID and all the social injustice, there were a lot of more purpose-driven, um, purpose-over-profit-driven uh, entries in 2020 versus 2019. So we had a big debate about, you know, how fair that was and how we should be judging it. But actually, regardless of the year, what we realised was the best cases were the ones that were both values-driven and drove value. So they really embodied the people, profit and planet synergising to, to drive purpose. And, you know, brands and organisations shouldn't be shameful of the fact that they're making profit and they're 
they're making something out of identifying what the societal need is, fundamentally, if it's going to help grow the business and it's going to help connect and engage with people in society, then it's going to be a good thing. And I think more and more, more brands need to be looking at ways of identifying this. I think there's more brands have come about in terms of really taking a look at their purpose now to see whether or not it's truly reflective of doing better in society and what the opportunity is there. Um, And I think they're starting to appreciate that they need to be really authentic in their identification of this and, and really understanding what consumers desire and culturally what is missing and how they can potentially make a difference. So there's there's a couple of examples from Cannes. The first one, which was amazing, Telenor's Naming the Invisible, which came from Pakistan. Telenor's purpose states, we exist to empower societies by connecting you to what matters most. So the need Telenor identified was in Pakistan was essentially the most basic human right of being registered at birth. There are 60 million children in Pakistan were unregistered at birth due to being born at home in rural areas or displacement. Um, and without this identity, life is a struggle. And they actually represented, I think it was a third of all run unregistered births globally. What happens is they've got no access to education, health, work, money, and they're more susceptible to trafficking um, and impacts from disasters. Telenor realised with the enormous smartphone penetration in the rural areas where there are no births being registered, they had the opportunity to coach parents through the process of this digitally. So they effectively created a digital birth registration and they used um, the support of health workers to help guide the people in these rural areas. And this meant that districts in Pakistan for the first time ever reached the universal birth registrations and aligns perfectly to what their purpose is. And they did a really good job of identifying very deeply how they can exist to empower societies by connecting them to what matters most. Because what mattered most in Pakistan was actually uh, people being able to be registered at birth. Um, But when you think about it from what that did from a business outcomes point of view, it's even more powerful. So not only did Telenor gain a significant increase in positive impact with brand associations, because obviously People recognised they were doing it for good. They were the number two provider, and this initiative increased earned data revenue by 100%, and their average revenue per user massively uplifted. All of this profit meant the idea could be scaled out, reinvested in, which means that they're going to have more consumers registering, obviously, with Telenor. So they're doing good for society. They're doing good for the people that need it but they're also making a business out of it. So it's really self-perpetuating. So this is a brilliant example of, uh, of purpose being around uh, people, planet and profit. Okay, so we talked through some cases that, that have really unpacked um, how purpose uh, with a big P, purpose with a little P, uh, focuses on people, profit and planet and kind of exists with the commercial realities of the brand. So I'm wondering about what we do, meaningful media, What's the, the connection between purpose and, and kind of meaningful media where, where a brand shows up? Yeah. Uh, does meaningful media matter for purpose? And and, and if yes, why? And, and, and can you talk to some of the sort of opportunities there? Yeah. So at Havas, we've identified the most important components in driving the relationship between consumers and their content, which is trusted, influential, engaging or ethical. So 
in the context of purpose, media that matters is incredibly important because consumers do make these connections. It supports all of the elements that are important around holistic purpose. So there's integrity and authenticity. There's the contextual articulation of the company you keep around the media and the publishers that, 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 you, that you are placed in. The delivering uh, the content that consumer craves and needs. Um, and what kind of experience on the platform that might be, and then activating and being present at the right connection points. Um, the other element that I think is really interesting, and this is something else that came out a lot in Cannes, um, is the consistent factor in brilliant thinking and insights through to activation in how purpose works with media. I feel like we've gone from medium is the message to the medium and the media is the message. So it's where you show up, how you show up and what you have to say as being all very intrinsically linked. You've been so clear in terms of this this concept of purpose. What is is there evidence that consumers care and this, this matters to the bottom line? Yeah, I think... I think they care more now than they ever have done and clearly um, younger life stages, younger audiences care even more. The latest Meaningful Brand study found we've actually entered an age of cynicism where consumers are more cynical towards marketing spin and they can identify it more readily. Essentially, a brand needs to ask, do you have the right to be supporting this? What are consumers saying they need culturally? What's happening in a wider society? How can you be really distinctive versus the competition? Because this is about business and we shouldn't be shameful about the profit element of it. And the distinctiveness of this is a really important component of that. And then finally, what's your conviction? How are you going to continue to succeed? You know, a purpose and a vision is a long-term thing and holistic purpose for profit and planet and people is all about being in it for the long game, not the short-term gain. Lizzie, that was phenomenal. And I can <laughs> really sort of, I can, I can hear the passion. And I think I'm going to take a personal moment for a second. I, I know you share this, but I believe that inclusive representative capitalism, and those two things are key, is the very best system humanity has ever devised for the betterment of all yep but i think we as communications professionals have perhaps the biggest opportunity and therefore the responsibility to nurture that system so purpose is back to uh um i think if we can leave it with anything it's you know when you're thinking about purpose think about uh, people planet and profit yeah i think it's not th- there's been lots of articles and i've listened to many podcasts about purpose versus profit or uh, profit beyond purpose and purpose is synergizing profit people and planet so it's like the outcome of integrating all of those three things and if we synergize these things together the outcomes are going to be far greater and we're going to feel a lot better about it lizzie that's really inspiring and i think it's a perfect place to leave it so Thank you. So we'd like to finish the podcast with uh, Fast Five, which is a little bit of a talk about your meaningful media, the media that matters to you today. We're going to start with uh, what's uh, your meaningful media? Of course, it's this podcast, but otherwise, um, (laughs) what's your meaningful media? Um, So I would say 
it's sort of split in two because there's personal meaningful media and then there's um, my family. My husband, Peter, my two lovely daughters, Finney and Scarlett and Zuki and Elliot. And um, our meaningful media collectively, understandably, is in the living room more often than not, sitting around and, and watching the kinds of content that we love together as a family. So we're big into nature. We love documentaries. I've been a subscriber of National Geographic for as as long as I can remember. But we also sort of love finding those shows that are surprises like, for example, The Great Pottery Throwdown was a big one for our family. Um, We love the repair shop. And then we love, you know, the the films that you'll be able to access on Disney Plus or Netflix, all all that kind of stuff, which is sort of quite obvious but I guess there's an incredibly meaningful point in a family where you actually find something you love to watch together that that you know where you're all learning from it and you can have like really decent decent conversations from a personal point of view um, I'm going to cheat a little bit and give you a platform and that platform is audio I love um, I love all forms of audio from a radio point of view uh, I'm really into radio x at the moment um and I think from a nostalgic point of view, maybe a lot of the a lot of the songs that they play were are of sort of 20, 25 years ago. Chris Malls and Johnny Vaughan were around when I first started in the industry. So it's probably making me feel a bit more youthful. But then um, then I'm trying to feel youthful, then I might listen to Kiss FM in the breakfast. Um, Interesting. I love the I love this um, this difference you have between the um, the kind of family. It's not quite appointment viewing, but you're all coming together around a piece of content in in the living room, which is really nice. Uh, and it's important for us to remember that that's an extremely significant media experience to very, people. Very and you so. also have this kind of personal uh, media you you, yeah. you turn to as well. So I guess you know you mentioned you mentioned Kiss and you mentioned Radio Radio X. Yeah, I, I will check that out. This might be the answer to this question, or one of those might be. Um, what's the media that you start your day with? So I start my day, I more often than not, um, I will take Zuki, the, my dog, for a run and I will listen to anything from the, those kinds of radio stations depending on what you know what I'm in the mood for to podcasts to audiobooks. And again, the, the, the podcasts I listen to are very diverse from, you know, I, I love... Free economics and the economist and this one and i i lo- i love the meaningful media podcast please please like and subscribe um but i'll also listen to fern cotton's happy place or the diary of a ceo or i might listen to an audio book what's your and i wonder again is it going to be audio what's your media guilty pleasure so my media guilty pleasure and um I don't think this is a guilty pleasure. I, th- I think it's bri- it's brilliant, um, but it's probably a guilty pleasure because I watch it too much. It's a little bit too much of a default, and that is Gogglebox. Oh. I love Gogglebox. It's amazing. What media do you turn to when you want to get inspired? Um, I think, I mean, obviously, like, podcasts... Um, a lot of them are by nature very inspiring and like from a work point of view like there's if if I want to I'm not a great reader so I really rely on podcasts to get to get inspiration um, I think I get really inspired by actually the kinds of shows that um I talked about before so like the repair shop and um the great pottery throwdown so that the kinds of stuff whereby people have all these skills and ways of connecting with people and community and it just makes you sort of appreciate that 
that you should be doing more of that. Okay, you can only have one media platform for the rest of your life. That's it. Mm. Which is it? So that's a really tricky one because if I was to say audio, then I I would not be talking to my family or my friends much. Um, I think it, it's it's got to be it's got to be audio visual, hasn't it? It's got to be film, telly. In TV, you can have one channel app distribution platform which is it do you know what it's hard actually because um i mean netflix is the default sky atlantic have some amazing shows um on as well uh my my kids would want me to say disney plus or actually they'd probably want me to say netflix um this is the problem the golden age of uh, aggregation is over isn't it so yes. this get this gets tricky exactly. so i'm going to i'm going to i'm going to force it netflix or disney plus um i'd say netflix wow netflix still coming in there lizzie thanks so much that was amazing thank you very much i really enjoyed it ben unfortunately that's all we've got time for on today's episode a big thanks to my fantastic guest for joining me and thanks to everyone for tuning in we'd love to hear from you and your thoughts on all things meaningful media the media that matters drop us a mail at podcast at havasmg.com that's podcast at havasmg.com please do subscribe like and share the meaningful media podcast on your preferred platform so you don't miss any of our episodes and you can follow us on our socials all addresses in the show notes once again thanks join me ben downing soon for more perspectives on meaningful media